0: In this episode of Ordinary Celebrity, I sit down with Paul Robertson. He's a neighbor, a fellow church member. He is an electrical engineer and currently a data analyst. But what a lot of people don't know is that Paul is an author. He has written five magnificent books, and they are out of print today. Paul is worthy of celebrating for a multitude of reasons, but as we sit down together in this podcast, I hope that you'll understand a little bit more about what is worthy of celebration in Paul Robertson's life. I really had a lot of fun doing this podcast with Paul, and I wanted to give you a few tidbits of things he said during the podcast that uh, I think you'll enjoy ahead of time.
1: He was getting about three hundred unsolicited manuscripts a month. And that wow. was the only one that year that he took. It was a miracle. It was just a miracle.
0: He spent a ton of time at a local coffee shop named Mill Mountain, and it wasn't always productive.
1: I mean there were there were evenings I'd be there for three hours and get maybe two paragraphs out.
0: I was surprised during the course of the interview to realize that he has not read his own books until recently.
1: I decided so now I'm going through them myself. Are you enjoying them? Uh, they're better than I thought they were. <laughs> when somebody says, yes, I I I just sat up all night and just finished it in three days. And I think it took me a year and a half to write that. You could have you could have dragged it out <laughs> a little
0: longer. Paul, before I ever knew you. I knew you by sight because you were a faithful fixture at a local coffee shop called Mill Mountain. Mm-hmm. Everybody in Blacksburg knows Mill Mountain. It's probably got the best ambiance, mm-hmm. overall coffee oh, yeah. shop feel. Yeah. Uh, but every time I was in there you were in there, but that means you must have been in there a lot. Tell me about how Mill Mountain mm-hmm. played a role in the books. Well at first, when
1: would it have been? Um, 25 years ago or so. I started going there just in the mornings to pray, and and I've done that ever since, you know, an hour or so every morning. So it was, it was just a, you know, that was the, the place. It was a, a comfortable place, and I needed a, um, a routine because there are too many distractions at home, and I wanted a place where there really wasn't anything else to do. So I'd go down there in the evening, and then I was stuck. You know, the only thing I could do was write. There wasn't anything else to do is very hard actually the first ones went pretty quick it all slowed down it kept getting harder and harder as it went along i have a lot of memories of of sitting down there especially late evenings when the place was almost empty and it was open till 11 wow i did not know 10. that yeah. yeah and then they they pulled it back to 10 and my family said oh good that means we get to see you some more <laughs> but yeah i missed uh, <laughs> I missed a lot of dinners at home and stuff, just sitting down there writing mm-hmm. and writing and as I say it was hard. I mean there were there were evenings I'd be there for three hours and get maybe two paragraphs. Yeah. Out. And I remember after the second book came out, it'd been submitted and the publisher said, We'd like to offer you another three book contract. My my agent said, Hey, you're living the dream now And right then I thought, I don't know <laughs> Because it just got so hard. I don't know if I was trying shooting for a higher, higher quality or if I was just slowing down and getting tired or what. Mm-hmm. But after those first two, I got out two more. And then the last one, I finally said to the publisher, I, I can't do this. They, they wanted one a year. And I was, I was managing about every 15 months, mm-hmm. which is putting them behind schedule. And it was killing me. So I finally just said, I I can't. I just want more time
0: to do This isn't the first podcast that Paul has been featured in. He has also been featured in Life Experienced by Ethan Smith. Ethan's a good friend. And that podcast is a fantastic podcast about ordinary people who have great life experiences. And so, Paul, you and Lisa have been featured in that, Mm -hmm. talking about your journey to Christian bookstore ownership. But in this podcast, I really want to feature on what led you to become an author. Where were you in life at that point, and what prompted that transition in life? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we just closed the bookstores.
1: That was, that was that transition, and I was kind of trying to figure what, what would come next. I had actually tried a couple times earlier, uh, and I did— Meet one or two people. There are little Christian writers conferences that that you can go to, and and also I I had a couple names, but I just had some time then, and I decided I would I would really try hard. I went to uh, another conference, Jerry Jenkins Christian Writers Guild, down in North Carolina at at Billy Graham's
0: Cove, um, and. And as an aside, Jerry Jenkins is the author with Tim LaHaye of uh, the, the Left Behind series. Yes. The Left Behind series, and his son uh, is doing the Chosen right. video series.
1: Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's
0: a pretty reputable writers conference that you went to. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: It is. It was very good. Um, he he wanted to teach Christian writers and aspiring writers, you know, how to do it right. There were a couple workshops, uh, regular published. Authors led them on how to write, what publishers really are interested in, um, and and part of the paradigm was that most people write their book and then they say to the publisher, "Here it is," instead of saying to the publisher, "What do you want to publish?" So I, after I came home from that, I I had done some other things, but I said, "Okay, I've got my my." I'll call it a formula just to go ahead and make it, and I want to try. So formula was um, protagonist, of course, is very important. Um, So I figured, well, I'll have a young billionaire.
0: Because you have a lot of experience being a young billionaire. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, of course. Of course.
1: The way you did it back then, you sent an actual envelope and – um, with with a cover letter and a plot synopsis and the first fifty pages on um, one inch margin, double spaced or courier. You even put the most generic little U.S. flag stamp on the envelope, really, because they they want to make sure this is not some flighty unstable person (laughs) little did they know little did they know (laughs) so i sent it off with my email address and rules are wait at least two or three months before you get anything back so that's why you send it before you're you're really even done because and a week later i got an email from the man saying my my reader the person he had that just read through all of the stuff that came in says this is the one. And so please send me the complete thing as soon as you're done and and I want to represent you.
0: How did that make you feel? Well, shocked. Yeah, cuz I mean normally you get hundreds of rejection letters. Yeah, and
1: <clears throat> and to tell the truth, uh at that point he was getting about 300 unsolicited manuscripts a month and that wow. was the only one that year that he took.
0: That's incredible. So Lisa,
1: my wife, was said, well, of course. And I said, I, I guess this is the right thing to do now. This is where, where God is taking us. Yeah. So I, uh, within a few months, I had a two-book contract with Bethany, The Air and then Road to Nowhere. I tell people it's harder to order a pizza than it was for me to get the book <laughs> contracted. Mm-hmm. The agent did everything. It was a miracle. It was just a miracle.
0: You slogged through writing five books. Mm -hmm. Uh, Initially, I'm sure, like, the first couple was excitement and enthusiasm. But as more books piled up to the contract, it became harder, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe less enjoyable. Um, But what, what was your favorite book of the five that you've written? They all have their points. I like... I like the people
1: in Road to Nowhere best. the The first one was easiest. I like the voice in that one. I think best because it just flowed so well. It was so easy to write compared to the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one, Elegant Solution, I think is the best one. Uh, that's where I could spend more time. It's it set in Switzerland in the seventeen hundreds, and person the protagonist is a eccentric mathematician. Mm-hmm. In his in his youth still. I think that's probably the one I I like best. Although to tell the truth, I have not read it.
0: Since you've written it.
1: Since I wrote it. Wow. I, I decided on each one I would not read them for ten years. And so now I'm going through them myself. Are you enjoying them? Uh, they're better than I thought they were.
0: <laughs> that's great. Well, so I've read The Road of Nowhere, fell in love with it. It was one of those books that like the characters The plot was great, but it was the interaction of the characters Mm -hmm. and like the mystery involved in the book that just kept me reading. And then interestingly enough, the other book I read was The Elegant Solution, which was so like outside of my normal reading Mm -hmm. genre. But once I got into about third chapter, it's one of those things. It's like you get lost in this mystical uh, world of... I mean, who would have thought that a book about a 17th or 18th century mathematician would be so compelling and interesting, but just your writing and your prose is so well-constructed and so imaginative that it, it was just an enjoyable read, and it truly was one of those books. You know how you're reading a book, and you're like, I'm about to finish this, and I know there's not a sequel, and this is almost a little bit sad, and you don't want to finish it? I felt that way about mm-hmm. The Elegant Solution. Mm-hmm. It was so well done. Well, thank um, you. I remember probably three chapters before the close. There's a dialogue. Um, there's a dialogue between the characters that literally I got a little bit teary eyed over mm-hmm. because it's like it's this denouement that just kind of brings. You like how I use that French word for mm-hmm. it? yes. You're welcome. Yeah, that's literary. Uh, so it was like it was beautiful. It's very very well done. Um, so I, I mean I've recommended it to a lot of people. your books are currently out of print. If they're available, you can still get them on Amazon, you can get them on Kindle. How how does it feel for them to be out of print?
1: Well, I don't know that it makes a big difference. The the publisher was Bethany who who then were bought out by Baker, so it's it's Baker Bethany. We're trying some experiments in different kinds of things than they usually I mean they're they're more somewhat more known for women's historical romance literature christian um so i think they had made a decision that that this was not really working out for them i was not a very good publicist myself and that's that's one of the important things of of being a a successful author Mm -hmm. so um it was it was sad each time i'd get the letter saying it's now out of print. And nothing is really out of print anymore because of Kindle and stuff. And I even still get the twice-a-year royalty statement that shows that they've sold seven, <laughs> 12,
0: <laughs> yeah. like that. Well, maybe we can double the sales from this
1: podcast. Right. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Some ways, as I read them, I say, I would I would like to have more of these. Yeah. When I sit down to write, I don't get very far. <laughs> you know, it's already hard mm-hmm. enough, and if there's not a deadline. I think... I think I'm more interested now, though, in writing essays and Bible commentary, you know, nonfiction, yeah, more yeah. theology.
0: That's what I, I'd love to find out. I mean, what are your, do you have future writing plans or projects in your head? Or
1: I, They're all in my head. Long, they're, they're years and years worth in my head. I don't think I've gotten out even five or 10,000 words
0: this year. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to know that your writing has touched other people? Well, that's that's the thing that uh,
1: motivates me is to think that i am touching somebody else Mm -hmm. and in a positive way that i can do something that makes somebody else feel an emotion have a thought that's the that's the bigger motivation that's the biggest motivation to to be communicating with people and and encouraging them and and touching them
0: when you when you frame things up that way and you think about your writing can have an impact, uh, how does it make you reflect back on spending three hours at Mill Mountain for two paragraphs?
1: Well, I don't remember, the, you don't remember the pain so much. Yeah. I, I do, when somebody says, yes, I, I, I just sat up all night and just finished it in three days. And I think it took me a year and a half to write that. He could have have dragged it out a little longer.
0: Thank you for being my guest on the first episode of Ordinary Celebrity. What's something that you would encourage others to do as kind of a concluding thought or statement? Everybody, everybody is a celebrity. They
1: should be anyway. They should be celebrated, whether they are not. Everybody has something to say. And that's not just a cliche. I mean, that's... That's my 60 years plus of experience that every person I have ever met, if I spent the time to get to know them, they have something to say. Some people can do it through writing, and they should. For people that don't write, there are other ways too. but it is is very true. Everybody should be celebrated. Everybody has something to say.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this first episode of Ordinary Celebrity. I really hope you'll come back for the next episode and spread the word about this one. In the meantime, if you meet someone that has something worthy of celebrating, whether they are an official celebrity or an unknown one, let me know. It might give me some ideas for future episodes. Until then, celebrate everyone.